This program is for educational purposes. It fits within YouTube's guidelines under the context of science. And knowing is half the battle. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the people at Patreon. Thank you guys for helping to support the program. We're also brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings there. Supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. And for those of you in the UK, get your lab work done by Dave. You can go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Or as Dave likes to pronounce it, evalblood analysis.com it's the only way i remember how to fucking spell it <laughs> what's going on man how you doing we we've got brian shaw watching okay world's strongest man brian shaw's watching our programming i lost my comments so i, I didn't see that oh for fuck's sake oh yeah we got all sorts of comments matt blevins is just, with us right so scott Stevens i'd just like to say advertising for a Pod show podcast host, please. If anyone would like Scott's job because he's fucking shit, please send your applications in. And is Dave selling that shirt? That's what Scott Stevenson wants to know, the dad bod shirt. My wife bought me this shirt. Apparently, I don't know where she got it from. Um, but she's, uh, yeah, she, she's, she's planning on getting me several insulting shirts. She also got me a pen, one that said, Grumpy bastard on it, and one that said I hate everybody on it, which I thought was quite good for me. That's judging. very fitting, like all that. Mm. All that's very mm. fitting. Listen, we're going to jump straight into some questions because here's the deal. We've had so many people uh, commenting with questions, and if you guys want to take part in the next show, then definitely uh, comment on YouTube on the latest episode. We'll do our best to try to tackle that then, plus comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost us up in the algorithm. And, of course, if you're new here, uh, I encourage you to hit the subscribe button and hit the bell, all that stuff, because we have several podcasts coming out each week. David and I are here. Excuse me. David and I are here every Monday for your pleasure and to teach you stuff about steroids and drugs. That's not my name, Scott, is it? I sent you my name today. What was it? Flippity? Flippity McFlipflop. It's his new given name, apparently. We got it. We got a comment. I'll get to it later, but we did get a comment about how this guy liked our content. He's like, but your guys are kind of slow. He's like, but I like it anyway. That's what he said. We're kind of slow. (laughs) Is is that as slow as in speed or as slow as in uh, mental attitude? (laughs) I kind of figured both, you know, that's just what I assumed. (laughs) So basically what he said is you two are a pair of retards, but he liked us. So I'll take it. You know, with I that, with that nice <laughs> okay, so listen, we're going to jump straight into it. Uh, Mr. Master Welder says, uh, can you dilute T400? I've heard that you can with B12, but that sounds fishy. LOL. Please help. I have many bottles to just uh, to just go to waste it. Uh, injections are terrible. Thank you. Let this first be a lesson. If you buy T400, you're probably going to be in a lot of pain. Right, so you can, what you have is a solution that has a carrier oil and 10, 400 milligrams of test per mil of that carrier oil suspended in it. That's a lot. So in order to, in order to dilute it and make the injection less painful, you need to increase the volume of the carrier oil. 
so that then becomes a lower concentration per mil. So you could do this by adding carrier oil. You can, to an extent, do it by mixing it with another compound. So for argument's sake, you did a mill of 400 and you did a mill of mass that was 200 mg per mil. Then you would, ha if you mix that in the same syringe, you would, to a small extent, dilute the concentration of the test 400 because you've now got an extra mill of carrier oil in there. So yeah. it would dilute it to some degree. Um, but that is effectively what you're trying to do. The alternative is just to do micro microdosings. Mm. So you do small shots, a quarter of a mil. So you're doing 100 mg here, 100 mg there, 100 mg there. Um, it's the total milligram that's the problem, really, in the volume of oil it's going in at. Yeah, and I think it would probably be important to mention, I don't know if you're always getting 400 milligrams in a test 400. You know what I mean? Like, is it really 400? I'm very suspicious of all blends. Always have been, always will be. Yeah, they're, they're, they're often not dosed correctly, and the splits are often very, very out. Um, yeah. So you might, for argument, a generic sust may have only three of the four compounds it's supposed to have. And you'll tend to find that stuff like the propanate will be way too high, whereas the deck and nth will be lower or whatever. Um, so because they'll go for the cheapest com component to make up the total milligram per mil. And... In case you guys are new here, Dave has seen a lot of uh, testing done on gear, um, being an expert witness with the court system in the UK. The police test, which I find that fascinating. They test all the gear that comes in. And so you've seen all sorts of different blends that aren't that are missing stuff, basically. Yeah, they tend to only test substance because they have to prove that the substance is anabolic in order to prosecute. But they tend not to test for strength it happens occasionally but they don't always do it okay. when you test so you primarily with your mass spec you get the first reading which is the identity of the compound and then effectively you break a chunk off and you break that down to then get the strength of that compound yeah so the the initial identity test only takes a few minutes okay yeah um particularly if you know what the compound is, because you've got a direct comparison to know what you're looking for. So for argument's sake, DECA will give you a result of 406. There are a couple of other compounds that could potentially do that. So you then rerun that as a, as a substrate of it, and you'll check it against another quantification to make sure that it is definitely DECA. So the second test confirms, but then you have to run again if you want to get the strength. And that's about 15 minutes. So due to that, testing costs elevate. So police tend to just do the bare minimum, which is just identify the fucking compound, please. Sure, sure. They don't care how, how good it was. They just want to be able to prosecute. No, they're not, they're not wanting to sell it. They just want to make sure it is what it's supposed to be. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, and by the way, guys, um, I'm trying to get better at mentioning this. Believe it or not, this is not Dave and my full-time job this podcast uh we both coach so if you guys are interested in uh talking more about stuff working with us then definitely feel free to hit us up i've got i've got our information down in the description coaching is not my full-time job 
Well, you do a lot of coaching. You have a lot of full-time yeah. jobs, right? Super Supermodel is my full-time job. Okay, and then you do a little coaching on the side? Yeah. Okay, I got it wrong. My mistake. Well, uh, God gave me this face for a reason. <laughs> All right, Bryce has a question for us. Uh, best dosing and timing for the ECA stack. Best to split it up for fat loss? I would be, so a lot of this depends on personal tolerance, but I would be very wary of using, shall we say, post 2, 3 p.m. in the day. Yeah. Because you might find bye-bye times is difficult. <laughs> yeah, so first thing in the morning, dosing yes, and timing. Definitely. I think the standard dose is... Uh, 25 milligrams of ephedrine, 200 milligrams of caffeine, 80 mil 81 milligrams of aspirin. Now, from what I understand, the aspirin is not um, completely necessary. It helps to extend the half-life. You could dose that two to three times a day. Half-life is like four to six hours. But like you said, Dave, like get past that two, three, four o'clock window, you might have a hard time falling asleep. Yeah, so I'd be a little bit wary of dosing it p.m. Uh, you could definitely dose it in the morning, but just remember there'll be an accumulative effect because if it's half-life running at about six hours, yeah. so you dose at seven in the morning and then you dose again at 10, that 10 o'clock dose is going to be stronger than your seven o'clock dose, even if they are equal amounts, because you're going to be adding to what's already still surviving in your system. Yeah, I'd say about two doses a day is the limit I take. And if a client wants to use it, that's the most I actually suggest, too. Uh, yeah, it's it's easy to get. Um, I wouldn't say hooked. I think hooked is, is too strong a word, but it's easy to get very flippant with it as well. What do you mean? Oh, I feel a bit tired. Boom. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel a bit yeah. tired. Boom. And then if you find, you, you know, you're lagging one day, especially if you're in a diet, and obviously you are going to start getting tired towards the back end of the diet. Um, so you start dropping them later in the day because you're feeling tired, you're trying to get through the day, but then that starts going to impact. Even though it might not keep you awake awake, it will start to impact the quality of your sleep. So you're then more tired the next day. So then you drop more tablets and you create this vicious circle if you're not careful. So it's very easy to get very quick with them because we tend to look at them as really innocent, not really much to do tablets when actually they can have quite a big effect from the point of view of anxiety and things like that. Absolutely. And, and the, <coughs> the dependency is in, I found that my first contest prep, when I used ECA, um, I would, and, and my, my energy was really low. I'd feel energized by the, by the, the dose. And then when it came down, I would crash from it and the crash got harder and harder. So I experienced a lot of ups and downs from it. One thing I well, do is, I'm going no, you first. You finish. Okay, I was actually rude. gonna. I was gonna mention it something else. I'll, I can. I can wait on that. What were you gonna say? I was say the other thing is you've got to remember that ECA isn't creating energy. Okay. It's using energy resource reserves you already have. Mm, okay. So yes, it's a stimulant, but the energy that you consume, the energy that you burn while you are stimulated, is your own energy resource. And so, if you're going to take a stimulant that's artificially going to increase your energy output your energy depletion is going to be greater post-usage, yeah. hence the crash. Yeah. So there is that element to consider as well. You know, you end up very depleted. 
And those energy restores have to be restored if you want to start to feel energized again, unless is where people end up taking more and more and more. Yeah. What I was going to additionally mention was one thing I noticed that's in kind of an added side benefit while you're dieting is that ECA tends to curb the appetite. And with clients that I've worked with, maybe we're not even using fat burners. I've said, hey, if you want to try you know, 12.5 milligrams, 10 milligrams of ECA, one, two times a day, you're still going to get like a little bit of effect from it. We're not talking about doing an ECA stack, just like a half a tab. And mm. that can help just to, you know, take the edge off of that appetite a little bit too. It, it is, it is a very effective appetite suppressant. There's definitely no denying that. All right. We got one about Nubane. Let's see here. We, we did a whole show about Nubane once, I think. Um, did we? Yeah, I think we talked about Nubane and um, GHB, maybe, together. Oh, um, possibly, yeah. Okay, so this is OJ Hand. He says, morning, guys. Um, from sunny Scotland. Been following you online for a good while. Well, that's a fucking <laughs> lie to start with. <laughs> sunny Scotland, great show. Um, does Dave remember people back in the day using Nubane. Uh, what was that all about? A lot who used it a lot and got uh, habited up big time. They used to say something about cleaning receptors. Going back for a while, uh, going back a while and showing my age, I'm sure if you know, you know. Nubane. So Nubane is a painkiller. It, it, it is quite actually addictive uh, and it was very, very popular in the 90s over here. I'm not so sure if it was similar in the States or if it was earlier or later. Um, there are stories around Paula Berkishore and Harrison having an actual problem with Nubane. Um, I don't think I've ever actually properly spoke to Ian about it. Uh, but effectively, they were taking the painkiller so they could train harder um, and, and endure more grueling workouts. Uh, but like a lot of painkillers, uh, you know, it is, it is habit-forming, and a few people fell foul of that. Um, it was short-lived. Um, it really only peaked for a few years. I think Chris Snedden, who was one of... Um, Paul Morrison's close sort of uh, disciples um, got into it for a while. I think Paul Morrison did as well, actually. Hmm. Uh, but it, it, it did seem to come and then go relatively rapidly. Uh, it definitely didn't hang around. But I, I know a few old school bodybuilders that would, would very happily get their hands on it if they could. Oh, I'm sure, man. It's interesting um, to hear your perspective in the UK. You know, I've heard the U.S. stories, and I've heard um, John Romano tell the stories about Dan Duchesne, and I believe it was Dan that kind of brought it into bodybuilding. You know, he brought a lot of things into bodybuilding, for better or worse. And uh, he said, you know, they were sitting at the kitchen table, and, and he was like, hey, you know, try this out. And he gives John Romano an IV injection, and it was Nubane. And that's that's what they were doing. And I I think I think here's my thought, man, is that, and by the way, I mentioned being in recovery in the last episode, and thank you guys, everybody who, who like you know, gave me some positive positive support in that. Fourteen years now, I think that for a lot of us in bodybuilding, 
we're coming from being like a real addictive personality kind of thing. And you can look for excuses why we need this opiate because it's good for bodybuilding. And I think that there are people, you know what I mean, Dave, who like try to get on that train. I, I yes, I've had a similar conversation with somebody this morning uh, who I haven't got completely fronted it yet, but basically they have some issues and they are trying to justify almost ignoring these issues in order to continue what they want to do. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, fuck it. I mean, come on. You know, if you if you break this down to brass tacks, here you go, mate. Here's a drug. Shove it in your ass. I can't tell you when it was made. I can't tell you what's in it, to be certain. I can't tell you who made it. I can't tell you anything fucking about it. It's a bit yellowy, orangey coloured. Shove it in your ass. It's going to make you fucking massive. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Good deal. Yeah. Is that really the thought process of somebody who's completely and properly balanced? You know, is it bollocks? Will We're it work? All a bit fucking bonk. Will it work? Uh, and is it illegal? Us. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think you've got to be a bit bonkers um, to even consider injecting what is quite literally. You can you can harp on about your dealer getting the best gear in the world. Every fucking drug dealer gets the best gear in the world. You know, at the end of the day, we are shoving an oil in our ass. We have no idea what it is. Luckily, for 95% of us, it is what it's supposed to be most of the time. But not always. Hashtag truth bomb from Dave. From Flippity. From Flippity. Thank you. I just, you know, let's let's not dress it up as what it is. People have this big hang up about just admitting they're a drug addict or they're a drug dependent or they're... Why? What's the issue with it? I was fucking dependent for years on steroids. All right, all right. We're going. To, we're, we're gonna. We're going into a direction here. You might start challenging people a little bit too much here, Dave. <laughs> let's let's move on. We're gonna keep this show family friendly. We'll get back to some steroid talk. And <laughs> <laughs> fluffy bunnies. Okay. Uh, this is from Tor. He says, a question for the next show. Uh, I see in social media and forums that many people are keen on micromanaging everything they are doing in bodybuilding. A lot of attention on IM injections versus microdosing sub-Q. Trying to do the perfect training split with the right amount of back-off sets and over-advanced training philosophies. Some people want to do super-advanced cycles with eight different compounds and peptides, but when they go to the gym, they don't train hard and eat enough uh, clean food. Um, have you noticed uh, that many people in bodybuilding spend 90% of their time worrying about the 10% that, uh, har- the 10% that hardly matters and focus too little on what actually matters, like training hard and eating enough food? Uh, that is what I see in my circles, at least. I, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. I think that's what we're here for—is to try to cut through it. You know what I mean? Preach, brother! Preach! I think, I think when you're young, Dave, in bodybuilding, you want to make sure you do everything right. We talked about this on another well, show. If you've got yeah. growth hormone, you like, you want to know exactly what would be the ultimate best way to use this. But the reality is. After you've done it for 10, 15, 20 years, then you realize, uh, you know what, you just take it and it works. That's it. I I think we've got, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, very, very truthful, very, very on point was was that that statement. Um, I mean, uh, what's the back offset, by the way? Is that, I don't know what that is. 
You never heard that term? Well, you just train until you're fucked, and then that's it. You stop. Where's this? What's this back off thing? I'm being sarcastic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can't. I can't tell your your dry British humor sometimes, Dave. Um, I think there, there's a there's there are issues within the industry, um, and there are issues within well maybe not issues but there are things within people themselves. So there's a big trend at the moment, and it's massive. In in very much reinventing and overcomplicating the wheel, and people see value in clock complexity. Absolutely. You know, and there's a whole breed of new age gurus who talk a load of, well, it's not that it's wrong. It's that in a real world application, it makes virtually zero fucking impact on your progress. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we over-science shit. We get way too fucking complicated on, on, on the little nuances of things that just don't need that much attention. And, and people have made a career of this. You know, there's, there's several people out there that are making a career of using very complex language to describe Absolutely. potentially very complex topics that have virtually no real-world impact whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. Um, or, or just overstate the fucking obvious, you know. Um, and this is both in, in people that... that work in the drug field but also in the training field and and there's a whole breed of coaches uh, and people think because he sends me a 20 page checking sheet this guy must be really fucking good now yeah. i am sorry but the color of your shit is going to have no impact on whether you're going to get bigger or not yes and no you know what i'm saying like if there was oh, a problem then it. maybe yeah but the problem you say stomach's bloating and I feel like crap. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. your problem. Yeah. I don't need a fucking brown scale stage of fucking turds colouring to mark on every bloody week. <laughs> you got to fill this out every every check-in. What no, shit, shit is your shit this week? You know, and, and it's just, it's like we're training. Oh, we need to do back offsets. We need to go train. Train as effectively and as hard with good form as you can. Trust me, your fucking body will tell you when you need to back off. Yeah. I, th I think that people uh, enjoy it. Part of it, too, is the fun. You know, part of it is the fun of figuring things out. And if you are enjoying it, then I, I say, okay, go for it. But recognize that it might not need to be that complicated. And eventually what I found in my own life is that complication, it becomes burdensome and overwhelming. And if you get to the point where it's it weighs so much on you, just remember, guys, you can strip it back and you can get back to the basics and it's probably going to work just as well. You know, the, the thing is, let's be honest. All right. And I'm not, I don't mean any any insult by this, but let's be honest. Ninety five percent of the people, probably more that watch this podcast and every fucking other podcast out there are, I are never going to are never going to be a pro. Yeah. And even if they make a pro. They're never going to earn a living at this shit. Dave, you're really so negative just, today. No, I'm just being honest. So I know, I know. Enjoy what you do. And, and if what you're doing by 
Overly researching, uh, uh, if you then get to the point where you can't relax and you're constantly looking at food and trying to calculate macros, and if you're constantly worrying about whether this is right or that is right, and you're not having fun, no, that's not enjoyment. So just lighten it up. Doesn't mean you have to go and eat shit. It just means you do not have to be so technical about every single aspect of what you're doing, and. And overall, the impact on your results might be five fucking percent. But you're going to be a lot fucking happier with your life. Yeah. All right. But the other problem as well is that as people, we hate to accept that we're shit at something. So, so far, Dave, you told everybody, A, they're drug addicts, and B, they're shit. That's that's what I'm hearing here. It's just, it's hard to accept that you're not going to be, you know, what, or you're not willing to put the work in required to achieve. And I think one of the big issues within our industry is there's a big misconception of how fucking actual hard it is to be good at this shit. And it's hard. Even if you keep it simple, it's a lot of yeah. long hours of consistent work day after day after day, you know? And that's, I think people don't realize how hard it is. And so they end up with quite unrealistic you know, expectations of what they can achieve in relation to their work ethic. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I don't, I train hardish and I eat okay ish. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. As long as you're happy, I'd rather be okay ish and happy than robot and fucking miserable. Yeah, you got to you got to enjoy it. I think and I guess my only other thought and I'm kind of repeating what I had said before in another way, but if you don't enjoy it, you're going to have a harder time keeping it in your life. And I guess what I would like for everybody is to keep their health and be able to continue doing bodybuilding and enjoy it long term. So if you're not mm. enjoying it, that's where you need to evaluate because I've seen too many yeah. people get burnt out. And then, then they just put it to the side. It, it was too much. It was too burdensome, too much work. I, I need to spend more time with my family. No, you mm-hmm. can make it simpler and keep it there. And the guy who does it for 10 years is definitely going to make a lot more progress than the guy who, you know, gets weighed down in the details and only does it for two, you know? Life's too short to be doing shit you don't enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved getting big. I, I loved it. I, I love the foot. That as it sounds, I love the force feeding. I love the crippling pain of the training. I, I, even too much the fucking energy in, injury list. It was all what went with it. I loved it. Yeah. I fucking hated dying for a comp. So as a result, I didn't yeah. compete. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? Another great morning. Waking up to Scott and my favorite uncle. Uncle Dave. <laughs> that, that just makes me sound like some really notoriously bad pedophile or something. That's all right. <laughs> a pedo. I like that word. We, we, we say it a little different here. Pedo. Uh, question for the next show. In my 20s, I had no issues running trend, both trend ace and trend E, aside from the night sweats. However, now in my 30s, I can't seem to handle the sides anymore. Primarily, he gets trendsomnia. Um, I've even tried running ACE at 50 milligrams, 50 milligrams every other day, and the sides feel like I'm running it at 200 milligrams every other day. Do you think it is worth trying to run it even lower, like 25 milligrams every other day, or should I accept that this compound is uh, no longer run? Thanks. 
I can no longer run. I would just bin it. Um, Tren is... Tren has very complex impacts within the brain, and it definitely has some damaging impacts within the brain. Um, and just because you don't feel sides from trend does not mean that that damage is um, occurring. Um, now, several things can happen between his 20s and his 30s to change how trend impacts in him, uh, without doubt. And, and just life itself, 10 years of life itself, can, can create mental health issues and, you know, insomnia and anxiety baseline issues that are probably potentially being exaggerated by the trembler. But the other impact is that there may be a level of damage built up by the Tremblone that now means that any usage is going to be problematic. And you see this a lot within people that use Trend. Oh, yeah, I've used it for five years. I've been fine. But this last cycle, my head's been a shed. Yeah, well, that's because you've now created a level of damage within the brain that means that Trend is now incredibly impacting on you mentally. Um, now, don't start panicking and going, oh, shit, I've, you know, I've got brain damage. I've done this, I've done that. Bear in mind, we use a very small percentage of our brain's power. And there is a huge amount of redundancies built in there. So, it, you know, things are adaptable. Um, but from what I know from the studies that have been done, the cellular damage from trend will not repair, but your brain will find workarounds to accommodate for the fact that you have some damage in there. There is no doubt that my nandrolone use and predominantly my, my DECA use has had an impact in my, my cognitive function and my brain function. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, and I have to use different tricks and tools to work around the, the sort of handicaps that usage has now left me with. I'm not going to make any jokes. Make as many as you want, mate. I'd usually do it myself. I'm not gonna, I'm I know. It's, it's, I'm not gonna I know. Make. Elephants are supposed to have good memories, and this one doesn't. Yes. And, <laughs> and think about it, All right. Uh, Alaska cocoa or choco milk drink is back. He says, "Cabbage gang." Question for the next week: um, If I were to blast one gram of test per week, is it better to inject 143 milligrams per day or inject all one grams in a single shot? Um, will it have the same results? Using test probe. Love the show, guys. Whew. A grammar test in a single dosing, even if it's split across several sites, is definitely going to have a very large impact on you. Yeah. So I would definitely... Re <laughs> I would definitely... I saw that comment just put on <laughs> I like that one. Um, but I would definitely suggest breaking that up. Uh, prop will have a different action two ways. Firstly, because the initial dosing is going to feel much stronger because you have much higher concentration per mig, um, because you have a much lighter ester weight. That wouldn't really matter on one mil dosing, but when you're talking a gram of dosing, you're going to see an impact there because you're, you're talking over 200 mig more in a week than you would get if you were using nth. But long-term, nth will create much, much higher levels because of the overlap of half-life. Um, I would be wary of trying to bang in a gram of test proper week if you've not experienced those sort of levels of dosing before. Yeah. Because um, effectively, your body doesn't like quick changes, you know. So when you when you start about using big cycles, you're better having a progressive 
load up to them. Hmm. So, I mean, when you start getting into four and five gram cycles, and I know this gentleman's nowhere near that, but you don't just go in at four grams, or you shouldn't anyway, because you're going to have a pretty adverse reaction if you do. So you'd go in at two, and then, you know, two and a half, three, three and a half, four, and you'd build up over a few weeks to get to that four. Um, go straight in at four, and you're probably going to feel like dog shit for several weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of we talked about test flu on the last episode, and one thing we didn't mm-hmm. mention was that, yeah, if you're running higher doses, one way to to kind of alleviate or avoid that would be to kind of creep up, you know, pyramid up at the start. Otherwise, I mean, if you're doing like, you know, a, a low dose cycle, you don't need to pyramid that up. But yeah, for like, if you're doing like a gram or more, you know, if you're doing a gram of test plus another anabolic on top of it, you could consider starting lower and building it over a few weeks. I agree. All right. What else we got here? Let's see. Um, Lock B. Question for the next show. Been powerlifting tested for three years and now untested for two years. Been taking 500 milligrams of test cycles since the start of untested. So for two years now. Uh, what would be another compound I could start taking and how much to take me to the next level? Love the show and really trying to dial in on them to help my knowledge. Uh, also, uh, cabbage is the goat is goat status. Okay, uh, he's got a three hundred kilogram squat, one hundred seventy five kilogram deadlift, uh, three hundred five in you. No, he's got a three hundred kilo squat, a one seventy five bench, bench, and a three hundred five. Oh, I missed bench. that. Thank you. That makes more sense because I was like one hundred seventy five deadlift. That didn't sound right. I, I, I read that as a 300 kilo bench. And to be honest, to start <laughs> with, I'm like, fuck it out. This boy can bench. Yeah. Um, well, what first, I hope he hasn't been running 500 mega tests for two years nonstop. I hope that's been cycled. He says cycles. Um, he says cycles. Uh, but I, I wonder if he comes off or does he stay on in between? Because that makes a difference to me. I'd, I'd be tempted at this level of development where he is to just throw a bit of Decker at it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Decker or MPP. I, I don't see any point in getting more technical. I mean, you could get much more complex, but he's he's relatively, in a sense of dosing, he's relatively a newbie. Um, though he's been using two years, I mean, his, his dosing is, is, is very moderate. So... I'd I'd probably look at next step would be a lower test dose and 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 probably you know a slightly higher deca dose say three hundred test four deca or something like that. Uh, more more deca than it. test. Slightly, yeah. No, oh, okay. If you don't like that, if you get deca dick, I would flip it. Yeah, but you usually get deca dick from prolactin problems. It's rare you get it from DHN. You what? Say that again. You usually get deca, you usually get erectile function problems with DECA from prolactin. Okay. It's not very often you get it from DHN. Dihydronangelone. Yes. So, so if you've got three hundred mega tests, you should have more than enough DHT to supersede the DHN. Okay. Um, and then it's just a case of effective estrogen management, which would then regulate the prolactin. Okay, we could try it. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, DECA would I'd, be a good one for strength. Trend's great for strength, but I would really look at bopping that in sort of last three, four weeks before a comp, and I think that's probably jumping the gun a little bit with where he is in his progress. 
What does he mean here at the end? Um, he says um, in U one twenty five kilogram class. Does that mean that's his weight class? Under one hundred twenty five kilos. Yes. So what is one hundred twenty five kilos in pounds? That's like two two over two sixty two sixty five ish. Okay. So no I mean, more two two seventy about two seventy. So if that doesn't, I mean, <laughs> if he's got to worry about the scale, he didn't mention anything about having to worry about the scale. So it sounds like that's. Because that would be my well, other were, concern, right? The, yeah, the other thing is, what's his body fat level like as well? Because obviously, I mean, we could look at uh, mass is not a bad little compound for powerlifting. And then an oral at the end, like little, as you would call it, oxy. But, yeah, little 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 a bomb in for the last few weeks before yeah, the show. Now you're speaking my language, a bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Question uh, one for the next show. Um, what are your thoughts on taking modafinil during a diet phase to increase focus and help energy levels when you're in a calorie deficit? I, I have a personal bias with these things. So um, it's effective. Uh, it does help. Got to be careful, though, because you will get tolerant. Yeah. And the, the danger then is to up the dose uh, and you can get quite dependent. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to do something like modafinil, I would do it cyclic or do it in a sort of, you know, one day off on type sort of thing or, or something of that nature so you don't end up using it too frequently. I got to go with that. There are some health concerns at the higher doses, but uh, that shouldn't really be an issue in this scenario. But yeah, it's very easy because it helps you be so much more when it comes to mental clarity. It's very easy to struggle then with the days when you don't have it. Absolutely. Because the days you don't have it, you then do feel quite an idiot. Um, so that is obviously a, a very big driver in, in getting people to use it more frequently than it probably is, is best for them. So just... So, yes, just be wary, approach it with some caution, have some regulation on, on, on your dosing or, or frequency of use. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, it can be a great addition, to, especially if you have a job that requires cognitive sharpness. I've experimented um, which with... Go... Sorry. I was going to say, which obviously goes when you diet. That was all I was going to say. Okay. I was just going to say I've used various nootropics, you know, some of the stuff that's over the counter, like Huperzine A. Um, I I found various results, but I guess one of the benefits is, is that it's not, I, I don't know. I feel like some of that stuff, it's not quite as harsh. You can get some stuff that like you can continue using on a more regular basis, like Alpha GPC, you know, I, I find what, stuff like that. What was that stuff you sent me? That was a nootropic blend. Uh, we had a sponsor called Azoff. That, that fucked me up. Yeah? What did you get from Like, what happened? Oh, man. Fuck me. I couldn't cope with that shit. What happened? Like, what, what do you mean? I, well, the, the, I just felt on edge. There was one product in there, um, a patented uh, mango leaf extract called Zynamite. And it is a um, dopamine reuptake inhibitor. 
So, and, and that can cause insomnia, obviously. You got to have dopamine clear. And I think that's some of the issues people get with trend, too. Uh, I had Dr. Dean on. You know, you're not clearing dopamine, so you don't give way to serotonin, and which converts to melatonin, which makes you restful and keeps you asleep. Um, yeah, I, I could see, you know, I don't, I don't do good with those either. The dopamine reuptake no, inhibitors. I, 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 no, no, no <laughs> never again. I'd still right. sat in fucking cupboard to be honest. I'm still stuck there somewhere. <laughs> um, Zaid says, hi guys. Question for the next show. Um, does a 20 minute walk, uh, to the gym affect my gains or training in the gym? Thanks for the good stuff on the show. I think this falls into that category of earlier stated where we overthink things sometimes. I think a 20-minute walk could get you warmed up. Yeah, no. And unless that 20-minute walk's up fucking Mount Everest, no. It, you're going to be fine. Um, it's it's not even muscle taxing, is it? You know, um, Use that 20 minutes to, to just clear your head, focus on what you're doing, leave the day behind, get, get yourself mentally prepared for your workout. It's useful in that sense, but there's going to be no negative impact on your performance. Huh, here's a weird one. Uh, Steve-O, morning guys. What's one unorthodox exercise for upper and for lower that leaves you feeling wasted in a good way every time? Just a fun question for any of the shows. Well, you posted it on this show. What's one unorthodox exercise for upper and one for lower that leaves you feeling wasted in a good way every time? Why does it have to be unorthodox? Like, well, it, it's, it's, I don't, are there unorthodox exercises? I mean, there's exercises that may not be popular. Yeah. I mean, I think of unorthodox and I think about like, Victoria went in to um, build a garden and we ordered all this dirt and they dumped it in the driveway and then we had to move it. That was very unorthodox, but it definitely exercised my lower back. Mm, so I'm not sure. I don't do any I mean, unorthodox few, exercises. There's a few I can think of for lower that are challenging, like genuine proper old school sissy squats where you lean right back. Yeah. Um, there's a Chinese guy on YouTube. If you put in sissy squat and then look for the Chinese guy, watch his versions of sissy squat. That's the proper old school one. Fuck me, that is brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he even does one unassisted where he's balancing on his toes and leaning back. Fucking Ooh. very hard to do. Uh, a good, unusual exercise that will be very challenging would be, say, overhead squats, something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a good call. But I'm not sure on an upper movement. Um, I mean, nobody seems to chin anymore unless they're into CrossFit. Uh, chins is probably a... I, mean, I think when you go back to the old school basics, a lot of those movements um, shun now in favor of machine work and, and you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and there's, there's still merit in a good old-fashioned chin up. Yeah. Oh, they're great. You know what? Some of the older stuff, there's more risk, I guess. So there's risk to reward. Overhead dumbbell or overhead barbell or press in general. Standing, like a standing overhead press. Those are those are a lot military harder than press. seated. Yeah, military press. Thank you. Well, one you don't see very often is pull down behind the back of the neck. Yeah, yeah, you don't. And that's difficult to do properly because most people will lean into it and you can't. You've got to keep your chest lifted up. Yeah. And pull your shoulder blades back so you get the head clearance. 
Yeah. Uh, but that's 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 a bit of a movement done right, but you don't see much of that anymore. Um, like you said, standing military press, any overhead standing movement, unless you're a strong man, you don't really see anybody doing it. Yeah. Um, Arnold presses. Anyone do fucking Arnold presses anymore? Dude, I heard about a story about those. So I worked for Bally, which was a big club here. And um, you could, as a personal trainer, you could like up your level. So you start as like a level one, move to level two. You get paid more each level. You go up and you have to take these classes. So I went to one of the classes and we had like the big district manager there. And he was a cool guy. And he like, you know, showed us a bunch of stuff and told us stories. And he said he was at uh, when when Arnold was like on the president's council of fitness they had this big seminar thing and arnold was there and he talked and they talked about the arnold press and here's what arnold said he said that when he was back in the day training in the gym and all the photographers were there taking pictures if he did a normal exercise like everybody else they'd take pictures of him just like everybody else but if he did something weird or different all the photographers came over and all the flash bulbs went off. So he started inventing new shit, little tweaks. And that's where the Arnold just, press came from. So it was just a made up bollocks to get some attention. Basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I heard a story about Frank Zane actually the other day. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. So everyone sticks Frank Zane up as the epitome of aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. He's the poster boy, isn't he? For the Absolutely. Yeah. And apparently Frank hated it. He he wanted to be a mass monster, but he just couldn't fucking grow. Oh no, kidding! You heard him tell that so, story. So he no, it came secondhand. But so apparently, um, the uh, the issue with with Frank was Frank Frank was desperate to be a mass monster. Yeah, and he just could not grow. His physique was by default, not by design. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, he had, he was great as he was, though, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's an icon in his time. There's no denying that. Uh, but, yeah, I just found that quiet because everybody, if you say, oh, you know, it was better when there were physiques like Frank Zane, and yet Frank Zane didn't want that physique. It was quite, I found that quite amusing. Yeah. All right. What else do we have? Oh, here's that comment I mentioned. So shout out to Larry. He says, um, I'm not a bodybuilder, just a 44-year-old husband and father of nine. How many? Nine. He says, "What the fuck, um, oh, Larry? Get a TV. You got something to fucking do in an evening." <laughs> he says that likes to lift as well as train Muay Thai and what's Buzz? Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You bloody moron! <laughs> There's going to be people out there who think I really didn't know that. So longevity. You didn't uh, know that. Don't try and fluff it over and try and. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know it. I've always no. thought. Every time I've seen it on a message board, I always just thought people were talking about something called oh, blowjobs. No, there's you an extra J. Talking about blowjobs. I did. I did. Yes. Okay, you got me. So long, longevity and uh, just uh, wanting to be strong and active, father uh, and eventually grandfather that can play with and defend my family. He says I am new to the podcast, and while the tempo can be a little slow. Especially when you get rolling, uh, but don't stress about it because you guys are really genuine, mate. With nine kids, I would think that any tempo is going to feel fucking slow. <laughs> you got a lot going on there. A lot. You got a fucking busy house. <laughs> Good God, it's a lot of kids. Jesus, 
That that is a busy life. Um, how you even have time to train? Watch a podcast too, you know. I am impressed, sir. I am impressed. My hat goes off to you. I've got three, and I can't stand any of them. <laughs> All right, uh, Turkesterone. Is it any good? I'm not expecting a steroid like gains, uh, but does it make any difference? I'm really not sure. Uh, I've no first-hand experience, and I've never worked with anyone that's actually used it, so I don't know. I mean, the 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 literature says it should be okay, but have you had anyone got first-hand experience with it? Okay, I've had a few people, and I've talked to a few people too. Uh, Andrew Barry said that if you run it at a higher dose, it's like a low dose of Anivar. Um, I've had a client that did well with it. I've had two clients that didn't notice anything at all. And I talked to Dante Trudell about it. And the way Dante put it is he said, yeah, don't, don't expect steroid like effects from it. He said, the reason that he likes it is he said he doesn't, he doesn't want to take steroids. He's past that phase in his life, but he does want a little bit of an edge. And he said that over the long term, a guy who is completely natural, not like, it's not like you're cycling and then you're going to turkesterone. A guy who's doing nothing else might get a little bit of a tiny additional edge that he wouldn't have had otherwise. So that said, if you're a gear user, it's not going to do probably too much for you. In my experience, opinion, other people have said they've gotten something from it. So I, I, I can't really say either. All I can do is share with you what other people have said. And there's been good, good and not so good. I think people forget because we're so immersed in, in usage that we forget actually how powerful anabolics are oh, yeah. in, compar- in comparison to their alternatives. I mean, there is nothing that touches on anabolics for, for mass muscle building properties in the natural markets at all. Nothing anywhere near. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we forget that because we get so used to using and so almost flippant we're using that you know we don't realize how powerful i mean when you look at like the you look at the eastern block research that east germany did with t-ball when they were using it for the olympics and stuff like that they were dosing at 10 15 milligrams and and breaking world records and and really seeing marked improvements on performance with such a low dose but we're so blasé you know if you're not taking 40, 50 milligrams of the shit, you're With getting fucked all out of it. Yeah, exactly. We don't, you know, we, and, and it's like, um, you, you really don't realize. So, um, yeah, there's, there's nothing touches anabolics, and there never will be, I don't think, at a current level of development. But, uh, you know, I think, I think that we actually, this might be worth one week discussing. We might need Mr. Stevenson in for this, would be the, the genetic manipulation future yeah that would be fun mm. where could we go where what could the future be in regards to you know manipulating our physiques here's another comment we got from last episode he said you guys seem at each other's necks this episode love you guys hopefully you all kiss and make up we didn't like last episode as much we were like i was real tired you were really busy but people still liked it I don't, I don't understand what they're saying. Why would I want to kiss and make up? We also got this comment. Um, hey, Scott, hooking up with Dave was the best thing that ever happened to you, right? <laughs> you know it, bitch. 
And uh, another final comment we got here. Uh, always love hearing from Billy. And then the next guy, Anthony, said, isn't it Chaz? No, it's Flippity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a couple more in the live feed here. Let's see if we can uh, wow. rapid fire these. Uh, Alfonso, he says, "Great show, guys. Uh, have you ever noticed that your body building uh, that your body almost rejects a large intake of high glycemic carbs, like a cheat meal of pizza, when you are on a low carb or keto diet? The next day, I'm up a few pounds of water. I usually have a great workout the following morning." But some large bowel movements too. Well, you ate a lot more food. Plus, you're you probably pushed a lot no, I, more out. You know. I get his point. When you're very consistent and you're on point with diet, yeah. Be it a, an increase in in volume or be it a crap meal, so to speak, you will generally pass that through quite rapidly. Um, and it, it's it's almost just well, it is really your body's rejecting it because it's not what it's used to, and and also it's unnecessary. You find it's very much with cheat meals. If you've been really consistent with your diet, then you have a cheat meal. God, you'll have some huge turds the next day. Mm -hmm. um, but they will generally as well, you'll find a very little impact on your physique. It will mainly just be a psychological break you'll get from it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the more efficient you are, the more your body will deal with crap and get rid of it quickly because it doesn't want it. It doesn't need it. So it will pass it through. I found that, so a couple things. I think that, a cheat meal can be beneficial for filling out. You know, your weight goes up. Sure. You ate more sodium. You probably mm -hmm. ate more food um, mm -hmm. and you're getting a lot more carbs. So all that you're going to get a lot more glycogen in the muscle. You're going to get a lot, a lot more water retention overall, but it's temporary. So the way mm -hmm. I look at the dieting process is that we it's a series of depleting you down and then loading you back up and then depleting mm -hmm. you down and loading you back up. So a cheat meal for pizza. I usually don't do a lot of pizza. Because uh, there is a, such a thing as too much. And I also think, too, if you combine a lot of carbs with a lot of fats, it can become overwhelming really quick. So I usually try to stay with a cleaner carb or if I'm using fats, I'll keep both of those kind of a little bit more moderate would be my thought. And I always make sure that I have a good protein source in there. But then, yeah, too, like we get slower <coughs> digestion. You know, the longer you've been on a clean diet, digestion can slow down. And yeah, man, I, I, I've used cheat meals to be like, hey, we need a cheat meal to get your digestion pushed through. And a lot of times you have that burger and fry or whatever. And that next day you have a great bowel movement and you're back on track, you know, give it three, four days and his weight should be down even a little further. You know what I mean? If, you, if it works out. I, right. I, I think also you've got a you, there's a psychological benefit for some people, depending on how hard they find a diet. Yeah. Um, uh, very, very much so for people that are into their first preps. They usually find dieting a little bit more psychologically difficult because they're with foods and foods that they they mentally have an attachment to. Yeah. Um, whereas really, you you know, your body doesn't crave pizza. Your brain does. Yeah. Your body, your body doesn't crave a KFC. Your brain does. Your body may crave more carbs. It may crave more glycogen. But it's not going to crave shit food. That's yeah. your brain. Yeah. Uh, and for those that are early into dieting or not used to dieting, sometimes those those cheat breaks are just required to restore some some mental um, stability in, in how their brain views what they're doing. Absolutely. All right. A couple more rapid fires here. Uh, Brian Shaw has a question for us. The Brian Shaw. <laughs> um, says started oral clen from Amino Asylum. All right. Shout out Amino Asylum. Use code THINK. Um, my question is, 
do you break up the dosage into smaller amounts through the day or all at once? Started at 20 per day, then 20 twice per day at 60 and went up to 20, 20, 20, or should I do 30, 30, et cetera? I tend, I tend to stay all in a single dose because I tend to like to keep it earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Again, for the simple reason of, like we talked about, stimulants like amphetamines, um, not wanting it to impact sleep. Yeah. The only time I, I find it, I find it great that the Brian Shaw asked us for advice. Yeah. I'm blown away by that. The Brian J. Shaw. Mm. He looks like a good family man and not as big as the other Brian Shaw, but we like this I, Brian I, Shaw better because he comments on our I, show. I was wondering why he was using somebody else's profile picture, not his own, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that when we put this ad out, we can put out as watched by Brian Shaw. We're not lying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Brian Shaw takes it. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Also, uh, uh, Patrick Moore, uh, who is an IFBB pro, the, we thought he's a black guy, but our Patrick Moore uses a white guy's picture. He comments on the show, too. Yeah. And yeah. Well, there, there was also, though, I do believe he is very much deceased now. A Patrick Moore in the UK that was a celebrity astrologist. So, as watched by celebrity astrologist Patrick Moore. Patrick Moore, and he he was famous. He, <laughs> you've got to see a picture of him. Um, he used to have a monocle and and squint, and oh. he was a yeah very very unique looking character. Look him up when you get five. Anyway, I'm going to look him up right now. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm, I'm very certain he's dead now, like, but uh, if he isn't, he must be about 110. Hold on a second. Patrick Moore, Sky at Night. That's that's what you want if you want to find him. Okay, hold on a second. Sky at Dominic, night. I'm not even going to attempt to say your last name, but yes, I will be at Leeds Fit Expo this Sunday. Correct. Oh, yeah. Holy shit here. Hold on a second. Let me get this picture here. Where's this one? Here's the here's the one with the monocle, I think. Yep. Give me just a second. I gotta save it here. It's and... just one of the faces. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I grew up with it. You know what I'll tell you, man? Uh here it is. He looks very British. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Winston Churchill's cousin, doesn't it? <laughs> he looks very, very British. And yeah, I was gonna get to that next. where where was uh where was that you were gonna be? Uh, the Fitex show at Leeds um, this Sunday. Um, what's it? Where's it at now? Carriage Works. Okay. Oh, one last one. One last one from Matt Harrison. He says, um, "Hey guys, question for you for bodybuilding. Do you believe it's better to use Nova um, that way your estrogen in your body is higher, or use Adex uh, to just lower it?" I've heard guys like Seth Ferrosi run Nova for their anti-estrogen. Depends on how high your estrogen is. Yeah, that's a good, good answer. All right. That's, uh, I think yeah. that's, that's all we got, Dave. So you're going to be in Le- Leeds, was it? Yeah, Leeds on Sunday at the Fitex, yeah. Are you going to be like, uh, is it going to be pizza? That maybe. Were you bringing it? Not mine, Guys, do me a favor. If you see Dave, I want you to get a picture with him and send it to me because I, I want to be able to like share that 
with everybody here. I want a little window into Dave's life. I can't, I don't have a lot of time to, you know, check up on him and, and you know, get over there to the UK and visit him. So I, I like to see what Dave's up to. If you see Dave, you hang out with him. If you go to do labs with Dave, get a picture, send it, send it to me. I think I'm going to get a t-shirt made up. Yeah. Mm. What's it of? It's just going to say fuck off Scott for these pictures. I like that. I like that. I actually am working on t-shirts. Matt Blevins gave me some direction. So thank you to Matt. I'm going to try to get some shirts for, for the channel. We'll probably even be able to make a, a like a cabbage t-shirt, Dave. Would you? Wear I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can commercialize the cabbage. Would you wear a t-shirt with the cabbage on it? Well, I have the cabbage, so it sort of. But would you wear a shirt you know, with it? This is the the real Christmas cabbage. Please stand up. Please stand up. You know, this is not an imitation. What would the shirt say? I don't know. I do kind of like the idea of WWCCD. It could it could say it's a cabbage kind of thing. Yeah. It's if a cabbage know, tape. If you know, you know. Yes. Cabbage heads. You could just say that. Mm. Hmm. Or just say Christmas Cabbage Fan Club. Can you imagine if it actually started a proper Christmas cabbage fan club? We have one. We do. What's the Christmas cabbage? Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, you know, like you have the the big groupies for, for for famous music peoples. Matt likes. What would Christmas cabbage do? Hmm. Oh, is that what that stood for? I didn't even realize that yeah. was what you were. Yeah. Yeah. W W C C D. Kind of like you know, W W J D. <laughs> all right let's get out of here guys we appreciate you watching um once again if you have any comments for the next episode you can comment on youtube by the way i forgot to mention um we're doing a contest i've got a contest i talked to true nutrition and they are going to uh, run contests with us once a month and i thought the first contest we're going to do is if your question was read on the show you will be entered into a drawing and at the end of the month i'm going to use a random generator to pick one lucky winner who's going to win a three pound bag of protein. I thought it'd be fun. Just something we could do to kind of like give back to the people who watch our show and participate. If I could give a three pound bag of protein to everybody, I would true nutrition. And maybe I should ask them to just give away your product from now on, but I don't think that'll work financially, Dave. Anyway, but if, you, if you send me money, I'll fix the result. <laughs> With that said, go over to uh, crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave there for coaching me, McNally Diets at Gmail. Uh, check out True Nutrition. Use our code THINK, uh, supplementsource.ca for those of you in Canada. Get some ephedrine over there to run your ECA stack. And um, go to eval. Get your blood work done. 30 minutes. Dave will be at your house with a nice hot pizza, uh, up to three toppings of your choice and crazy bread. Uh, if he's not there in 30 minutes, then the pizza and the lab works absolutely free. What the fuck is crazy bread? <laughs> if you got to ask. <laughs>